0: Hey guys, Chris Evans here from Traffic and Funnels, and I wanted to tell you about our newest book, The Consultant Next Door. People are raving about this book. Inside this book are strategies we used to start and scale our business, which were widely known about across the internet, Traffic and Funnels, to over seven figures per month. Yes, that is a million dollars, over a million dollars per month. In this book, we cover everything from selecting the right business model, creating, an irresistible offer, how to market that offer, sales, leadership, mindset, and long-term growth. So if you're ready to stop trading dollars for hours and start working whenever, wherever, and however you want, then go ahead and pick up a copy of this book. And as a listener of this podcast, you can grab your copy for free by heading over to com slash free book. That is trafficandfunnels.com slash free book. Just pay a small shipping and handling fee, and we will get that into the mail for you. All right, back to the show. You're listening to the Traffic and Funnels Show.
1: Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search. Brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Hayston, Executive Recruiter, Director of Recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And today, I have another special little treat for you. So let me get right to it and introduce our guest for today. Um, today on the show, I'd like to welcome Taylor Welch, co-founder of Traffic and Funnels, owner of WealthCap Holdings and host of the Daily Mind Medicine podcast and guys let me tell you if you listen to only one podcast it has to be this one it is phenomenal short little episodes you're going to love it we'll talk a little bit more about it here in just a minute taylor is also a sales mentor and is heavily involved in training and leading his team which is the reason we wanted to talk to him today thank you for joining us taylor
2: Amazing. So good to be here. What an intro. I'll try to live up to it. I promise.
1: (laughs) I don't think you're going to have any problem living up to that. I was looking at some of the uh, stuff that you offer on your website to help others duplicate what you've done. And I was just like, oh, I'm signing up for this and this and this and this.
0: Amazing. I'm so excited.
1: Um, I do want to real quick, I love to tell people how I get connected to people, but especially influencers like yourself. And so real quick, I want to give a shout out to Byron Morrison, uh, chief. He's a CEO coach in the UK. And I think it's crazy that my friend from the UK introduces me to somebody in the US. So
2: cool. Yeah. So connected.
1: Yeah. And he speaks so highly of you and your company and everything that you're doing for him. And um, so, yeah, and I'm talking to him next week. So I'm going to get some more information about how you're helping him in his business.
0: Amazing.
2: Very cool.
1: So tell us a little bit about Traffic and Funnels and what other projects are you working on right now?
2: Yeah, We are busy, busy, busy. Um, Traffic and Funnels is it started as an agency just to help people grow their consulting businesses and me and my business partner Chris Evans he's in Charlotte out on the east coast uh we connected and we just started it pretty organically we we were on different sides of the business i was doing copywriting and creating funnels and a lot of the conversion infrastructure and he was running paid traffic and so we were like let's team up let's partner together and help more people so we did that and um it just it began to grow and you know there were challenges, a lot of challenges at the beginning, still are challenges today. It's like kind of the secret to getting what you want is anything worthwhile is going to challenge you a lot. Um, but today the company is, uh, probably 60 employees. We have headquarters here in Nashville. We have overflow headquarters in Charlotte. I just posted today We're um, we're out of space. So we, you know, if you see on the other side of this computer, we have New furniture coming in to line the walls to give people places to work, and then we we outgrew that. The furniture hasn't even gotten here yet, so we're knocking the door down or the wall down next to us. We're taking another five thousand square feet, and uh, I'm asking people, I'm like, how about we take a bet on whether we'll outgrow that space before it's done? And it's just kind of once you build momentum in your life, it almost becomes harder to slow it down than it is to keep it going. And we're in that we're in that space right now. It's kind of like a slipstream. You know, people spend their whole lives trying to do something, but you hit these seasons where you can accomplish a hundred years in three years and everything I feel like we've done is kind of in preparation for where we're going into next. And so the real estate stuff, we're in four different markets. I was telling you before the show, we're actually in Dallas. Um, We're in Charlotte, we're in Kansas city, Birmingham, Alabama about to maybe tackle Knoxville, Tennessee, and then the sales mentor company, which is, you know, just basically building sales teams, sales staffs. We just partnered with, um, you know, some entrepreneurs, Dean and Tony, who, uh, who they wanted us to help come in and help them train their sales staff as well. So a lot of opportunity on all fronts, and we're just trying to not drown, you know, <laughs> uh, and it was just fun. I'd rather be busy than bored. So
1: I agree 100%. And you know, people are like, you just work all the time and I'm like, I don't really because I love what I do. You know? Yes, you, when you find exactly. your passion, you never work a day in your life. Exactly. And so yeah. I absolutely love. It. And you said something and this brought up something I heard on one of your uh episodes earlier today about if you're not getting noticed, that's okay. This is when you need to be honing your skills. Yes. Do you remember that episode? hundred percent. And so now you're in the season of getting noticed. Yeah. And you, and you also mentioned like social media and like some of the haters are coming out. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. Social media has been a wonderful tool, but it's also kind of been a curse because, you know, the, the rating system all of a sudden switched from, you know, a hundred years ago. It was internal. It was really like, what's real? What are you doing? There was less, I think, an, of an opportunity to compare. And, and today it's like 99% of people's self-worth is predicated on you know comparing themselves to somebody else on social media. Mm-hmm. And in my journey, when I look back, some of the greatest moments for me, some of the greatest seasons of growth for me when nobody knew who I was. And you know, you start to feel like you see other people's success and you see other people winning. And it's not that you're not happy for them. It's just more so you're like, when am I going to get my time? You know, when am I going to get my moment? And there's, there's kind of this, if you're not careful, you'll begin to set your own self-worth based on when you get to your moment of, of time to shine rather than, you know, an internal rating system. Warren Buffett says this really wonderfully. He says, you know, the real basically the rating on whether someone ca- is going to win or not is are they, are they rating themselves internally or are they rating themselves externally? It says, ask yourself this question. Like, would you rather be a good lover, but everybody doesn't recognize that you're a good lover or would you rather be a, a bad lover, but everybody thinks you're a good lover. And it's kind of an odd thing to put yourself in those shoes. Cause it's like, well, in that context, I'd rather be actually good and real, like who cares what everyone else thinks, but in business, a lot of times we would actually rather have the perception of being rich than to actually be rich. We'd have rather have the perception. We'd rather be recognized. There's also an interesting study and I'm, I'm going on a tangent a little bit, cause this is like a passionate topic, but they actually have, have pulled thousands of people and they had made them answer this question. If you live in a city where everyone makes 80,000 and you make a hundred thousand, that's option a or you live in a city where everyone makes 300,000 and you make 200,000, which would you like? And people predominantly chose the first option, which means that people judge their success relative to the success of those around them. They'd rather make less money if it's more than their neighbor, you know? And I'm like, man, that's something weird. There's something wrong with that. So early on, I started trying to kind of rewire you know, the way I thought, so to speak. And so even among our sales team, We, you judge a win or a loss based on whether you did what you said you're going to do, not based on the sales, not based on the numbers, it's internal scoreboards. And if a person gets this, they wipe the floor with everyone. They just become dominant forces because they're disconnected from the outcome and they're just plugged into the process. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, that was so much information right there. And I I love that. No, it was great. And I love that your philosophy, I mean, is so aligned with mine as well. And I, you know, I tell people, my team, when I'm training all the time, I'm like, if you give value first, the money will follow. Yes. It has to. And so it always
2: does. And I, but
1: I love what you, you said so much there, but being disconnected from the outcome, if you did what you said, you're going to do, you win, Yep. whether you lose or not. So that's brilliant. Brilliant. Yep. I think I'm going to take that quote and put it up on my computer or something. Love it. Come on. (laughs) So as an entrepreneur, you often take part in building teams from the ground up. How do you scale a company while maintaining a skilled and knowledgeable workforce?
2: Such a good question. And it's such a, um, it was such a hard thing for me to learn Um, because I don't, it's hard to learn this in school. It's hard to learn it from a book because it's one of those areas where you can know the right thing to do but it's so hard to do it in reality that that i was i had to learn it the hard way so yeah i tell people now you know we have we have a event t- tomorrow actually we've got clients in almost 100 countries all over the place all over the world and um you know I, what i tell them when, when they ask about team is there's different levels of outsourcing and level one is Kind of the first stage where it's like, I'm gonna start outsourcing activities. I don't wanna clean my house. I'm gonna pay someone to do it. I don't wanna mow the yard, I'm gonna pay someone to do it. People do it in their businesses too. You know, but I hire somebody to do admin. I'm gonna hire somebody as a personal assistant. They're outsourcing tasks. And and you can another way to say it is they're outsourcing their hands, they're outsourcing the work of their hands. The second level is you begin to outsource decisions. So we're not, we're not outsourcing our hands. We're outsourcing our minds. Now we're getting, we're paying someone else to think for us on our behalf and the, the way that, you know, you can scale outsourcing work, but you're going to always have this arbitrage between like the quality of the work because you're not the one doing the work. The only way I've really found to be able to scale while holding quality standards is you, out, you, you really teach people to think as you think you teach them to make decisions. Anybody, you can pay anybody to come in and mess with Salesforce or to come in and, and take phone calls for you or whatever. But the next level of leadership is really bringing people in and teaching them how to make decisions. And I've learned that some of the best ways to teach people those decisions is to allow them to make mistakes. So when people come in, we actually tell them, well, I trust you enough to make the wrong decision. One time, <laughs> you don't make the wrong decision over and over and over in one specific area because that that, that's a you issue at this point but entrepreneurs like we were allowed to make mistakes we did a thousand things wrong you know that's how we learned that's how a child learns i I have a one-year-old daughter and she's learning how to walk it's amazing she walked for like seven feet yesterday and with by herself we just lost it you know like so excited and then she just like crashed into the side of the wall. And it's like, you know, that's how she's going to develop balance. So you, you, humans can't develop balance without a little bit of falling, a little bit of misplacement, a little bit of, and, and why do we take that away from people when we're trying to teach them a thousand times more complex topics, such as, you know, how do you make decisions about whether to turn ads off or not, got to allow people to make mistakes so that they can grab the rules of the game and really master the decision-making process. You know what I mean?
1: I love what you. have I'm just so impressed with your knowledge and the way that you deliver it. It's just, it makes total sense. And I am so grateful that I think not only our candidates are going to get value out of this, but our clients, our companies that we work with, I hope they really listen to what you're saying about building those better teams so that you can attract and keep the right talent. Cause that's yeah, so important. Definitely. Turnover is costly.
2: And the, the knowledge came from, not knowing what you know early, not, not, you know, I came into business as a 25 year old and uh, you know, just had no clue, didn't know anything. So I, I feel like part of the secret here is just being comfortable with making mistakes and being honest with yourself about the mistakes you do make. And that's where I've pulled all of this is I've done it wrong so many times that now it's I've, I've kind of through isolation figured out how to do the right thing. Um, so that's where all of this comes from.
1: Well, that and living a hundred years in three years, right?
2: There you go. The slipstream, hundred <laughs> percent.
1: So I know that, and by the way, I saw a picture of your daughter on your website. What a little cutie. I can I see it. why you are so in love with her and your daddy daughter dates. <laughs> oh so yes. cute. Um, and I love that you're really like in your podcast, you're talking about, you know, who you are in the, not in the dark, but who you are when you're alone needs to be the same as who you are when you show up to other people. And that's a common theme that I hear quite often in your podcast. Um, so I think I know the answer to this, but I want to share this with our audience. What does company culture look like to you and what role do you play in building it?
0: Mm.
2: Um, we just had a meeting about culture this morning for our real estate, uh, team, um, it's fascinating how big of a topic culture is. And it's a buzzword, I think for a lot of a lot of leaders. But for us, it's kind of become a bit of an ethos. You know, I was telling somebody this morning, in a meeting that I just walked out of two minutes before hopping on with you. Uh, we have a new team on the real estate side, because it's a newer company. And I was explaining to them this idea of like, you know, everyone's tired right now, we're pushing, we grew 220% last month. Wow so people are exhausted you know they're just like they're up leveling and they're learning how to be more efficient and more productive but i was telling them i was like i don't i'm not going to be the we're not going to build the culture where you can't leave until five you got to be in at eight you know you you got to take a 45 minute lunch but no more and i don't care i don't really don't care i want you to be able to operate with autonomy within the confines of your results so it was kind of like a new thing for them because I was telling one of the uh, financial guys like you need to leave today at like 330 because you're tired. I can tell you're tired and it's a Thursday and you're tired. So take a break, get out of the office a little bit early. And you could tell in his face, he was just like a of all, he was happy about it. But then he was also a little confused because it was just a, this is a different culture. I think culture is, you know, the it's the ability to have people set expectations for themselves, but it's in alignment with your expectations in the first place. It's the invisible tool that syncs the quality control of the team, it's the thermostat of the team. You, know, you look at a thermostat, it's like there's really no, um, there's nothing you can see that's tangibly making the temperature go from you know, 78 degrees to 72 degrees. You're in Dallas, you know, it's 800 degrees, outside, <laughs> you've got these invisible forces that are regulating the internal temperature. Culture is the same way. You can't really see it all the time, but you can see the byproduct of it. And it also comes a little bit from the monkey see, monkey do, like people are gonna model behavior when they come in. And so building culture is probably the, one of the most important structural elements of building a new team. And the responsibility of that comes from first the founder and then through the executive team through the it's you know i was talking with one of our leaders last night as well and i was like you know you have to model the behavior you want to see from the people that work for you you can't just tell them what to do because that's old school you know that's like 1980s leadership and we don't live in that world anymore we don't live there anymore people are going to watch you they're going to notice what you do and they're going to model it in their own lives and so it was a really good conversation about the, the ability to, rather than sending a memo to the team, this is what I expect you to do. As a leader, just start showing up and doing it first. And then the people who model it, you know that they've got something. You know, they're plugged into the ethos of the team. The people who don't model it, you might have to have a conversation with them and eventually they may, may not be on the right bus. You might want to do them a favor and promote them to having the ability to go finding a job where they feel like they are plugged in. It's the worst thing in the world to keep somebody on the team who's not a culture fit because it's not good for you, but it's also not good for them. This is what leaders don't recognize is there's probably a place somewhere else that they would be happier, more fulfilled, more successful. But in trying to keep this person on the team, you know, that that doesn't even wanna be there, you you not only cost the culture, but you're costing them in the future, you know?
1: I am so glad you said that. And I'm gonna share a little bit about, you know, I don't always hire right the first time, right? I mean, I've made hiring yeah. mistakes too. And I made one of those where, you know, and I, I have a very lengthy interview process when I'm hiring for the team, but still things get through. And then I usually add another step to the interview process because of that. But yeah. I had this one hire, which was exactly what you said. It was a total non-fit for our culture. And it's not that this person couldn't do the job. They could do it very, very well but could not get along with a single person on the team, and the team fell apart because of it. I mean, absolutely yes. fell apart. But this person went on to do the same thing with another company, and is knocking it out of the park.
2: Yeah, yeah. So- it's, a, it's the difference between aptitude and attitude. Very different scales. You know, somebody can have the competence, you know, but they don't. They don't necessarily fit into the attitudinal culture of the team, which is absolutely big. You know somebody without your experience might just be like well this is just what we need to to make it and they would drag it out for three years i've done that too where it's like i've just got this person on the team and i love them and i feel like they're not a fit but we have to have, make it work and so we just keep it and it, it, it always is like the best moment when you have that conversation and they transition out and you don't feel you feel relief and it's you got to look at that like why do i feel relieved for this person transitioning out? Well, it's probably because it's overdue, you know?
1: Exactly. We call it self-selecting out. (laughs) There you go. Yes.
2: 100%. And, and,
1: you know, I've been that person that hasn't been in the right culture before. Still doing the job, knocking it out of the park, but not in the right culture. And I stayed there for a long time. And when I did finally get the guts to make the move, um, it was amazing. You know, like my whole world changed. Because I'm in a place that supports what I do now. And they support my crazy ideas. I don't know, like having a podcast, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, It's been such a treat to work with such a visionary company that is like, oh, so you want to do this and not just recruiting? Okay, let's go do this. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. You know, they've been so supportive. So I feel like our culture is very similar to the cultures that you create in that we want people to be successful at whatever they want to do. You know, still run yes. your desk, still do your sales. Totally. If you want to do something else in addition, go for it. So, yeah. I think this leads very well into talking about your podcast. Um, so, Mind Medicine or Daily Mind Medicine, quick little episodes, which I love. I can listen to like five of them on the way to work. No, I'm just kidding because I have a very short commute. But, <laughs> what inspired you to start this podcast? And tell us about a few of the topics that you cover.
2: Um, yeah. So, for Traffic and Funnels, when we first started, we started getting a handful of clients. One of the main recurring themes that we discovered was a lot of people were missing out on their on their goals and their revenue goals and their income goals, not because they didn't have the tools to do it, or because they they didn't have the skills to do it. It was more so because of the way they thought about money, the way they thought about pressure. Uh, it's, it's mindset, you hear it all the time, mindsets, everything. And it's it's almost become like a little bit of a buzzy phrase, like, you know, mindset, mindset. People are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like mindset, I get it. But how do I make money? And it's like, no, you're not listening to me. Like it's it's how you think about yourself, how you think about money, the things you're willing to tolerate in your life. Everything comes down to uh, a bit of perspective, right? And a bit of like, what's your mental grid? And so we started doing these calls uh, in in traffic and funnels called Mindset Mondays, and they were crazy popular. We would do you know, Facebook lives within a small group of clients for one of our tiers, you know, 500 people in them. We have a thousand comments on this Facebook live. Like people were just eating them alive and we're like, do more, do more. And it was one of those requests of, can you package up a tool? Uh, and let me consume this type of material. And we sat on it for like two years. We didn't, we didn't do anything with it, um, because we're scaling and we're busy and like we talked about before. we don't have time for another project right now but in february i was like we just need to do it and it was it's an interesting timing because it was before covid Mm -hmm. we didn't really know about everything that was about to happen we're like let's launch march 3rd um it was just a random date and the team started putting it together and we launched on march 3rd and then the world shut down on march 16th and uh it kind of blew up then because people needed it at that point it's like At first it was like a a cool supplemental tool and then it was like people were like dude i would have quit if i didn't have something like this to to listen to i didn't realize you know all of the the craziness that was going to happen in the world and you know mindset is is a choice in good times it is an absolute necessity in bad times and so we were able to go very quickly from just a cool little project to like oh this is something people have to have they're addicted to it um you know, the feedback has been insane. And so it's become a really cool piece of impact for us. We don't monetize it. We don't need to, we don't make any money from it. It's just me. Sometimes you have listened to them like in my car with horrible audio, just <laughs> talking to myself about mindset. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm, I'm repurposing coaching sessions with the team. Um, probably one of the most popular ones was when I took my daughter to swimming lessons. Have you, did you hear this one? I haven't heard that one yet. So it's just the idea of of how trauma impacts a person's ability to grow. And it's probably one of the most downloaded episodes. But we took Kate, as her name, to swim lessons for the first time. And one of the things you have to do is you have to dunk them underwater. You count to three and dunk them underwater so they can learn how to hold their breath. And she's losing her mind, like yelling, throwing her, flailing about. We're trying to teach her, like, to hold her breath. You know, and the other kids are holding their breath and it's Kate's just not having it. And I just had this moment of like, this is what happens to humans in life. We'll go through a situation that we don't understand and we could figure it out. There's a pattern here and and humans are pattern recognition machines. Like that's what we exist to do is recognize patterns. But the reason she wasn't recognizing the pattern is because she thought we were trying to kill her. She was so traumatized by it. You know what I mean? And i thought back to my life like all of the times that i've gone through a moment that's been so scary and so difficult and and at times traumatizing i started thinking how long did it take me to learn the lesson not because the lesson was complicated just hold your breath count to three like this is the easiest thing in the world right it's not that it took me so long because it was complex it took me so long because i was traumatized and the ability to step out of yourself in a moment of difficulty print the lessons learn the patterns and she figured it out and She's now she loves to swim. But topics like that, that just like remind a person that everything starts and ends in the mind first. And the feedback we get is just insane. People, people will go through some of the craziest stuff. You know, like some some of the things, the messages we get, I'm like, my life is so easy. I'm so grateful because this person is going through is just a nightmare. But they hang on to this as a way to make it through and a way to really develop self. You know, like impermanence and self reliance and the abilities to grow. So, something we'll probably do literally forever just because of the impact it's making.
1: Well, I would highly encourage you to keep it up because I don't know how you come up with so much content, but I mean, every episode is different and every episode is a solid knowledge nugget. So, thank you for what you do there. Um, I, for one, am an avid listener and really appreciate it. Um, so, please don't stop. <laughs>
2: We won't. Thank you for that.
1: I know one of the other common themes that you talk about on the podcast is productivity. And, you know, and you've mentioned that you guys, y'all are on a real push. You grew 220% last month. So what helps you stay productive and how do you encourage others to do the same?
2: Great question. So we do have, you know, we have a tool called the productivity pack. Um, I, I went through every productivity book that, you can imagine. And they all work like everything. When it comes down to productivity, I think it's this idea of squeezing every bit of juice from every minute you have in your day. But before we had Kate, I remember my wife, one day we were having dinner and it was like one of those landmine conversations. It was ready to have kids. And she's like, I don't, you know, I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but like, I don't really want to have a baby if it's just me, you know, raising, raising it by myself. It's like something's got to change because now I'm obviously not being as present as I need to be for her to feel like we can tag team this. So I started really getting away from this productivity obsession into really the the effective conversation. You know, productivity systems as a whole teach you to how, how to get more done, but they don't teach you how to get the right things done. That's a that's a problem, because you can get more of the wrong stuff done and not move your life forward. So when, when we're talking about progress, it's gotta be the right things. It's gotta be the needle moving things. So we have all sorts of different systems now under this heading of productivity. But at the very top is this underlying question of, is this the right thing? It what's your outcome. What is your goal? What are you trying to move towards? And does what you're trying to achieve today empower you to get to that goal? And then underneath that, like a waterfall is all of the productivity tips of, you know, how to stack your blocks together and how to block and tackle and, you know, you've got outcomes and then you've got actual activities. And so it, we can go as deep as you want to on it. But the central tenet is just don't become more productive at the wrong things. Make sure that that question is answered first, because if you use productivity as a tool for your life, it's, it's, it might move you backwards. It's gotta be used as, as a tool to get the right things done. Does that make sense?
1: It absolutely does. I love that so much. And, you know, I think that for me, because I've recently had to have that conversation with myself because I had so many things going on. I was like, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And look at me. I can do this and this. And I was hitting burnout. And I had to really evaluate which tasks and which um, things that I was pursuing were the most important to me at that time. And I ended up having to give up something that I really loved. But I felt okay doing it yes. so that I could be better at these other things. So,
2: 100%.
1: So, as an entrepreneur, I'm very curious what is the scariest challenge you've had to overcome and how did it help strengthen your skills today?
2: Probably the scariest thing is losing people. Mm. Yeah. Um, the idea of investing into a staff member or a manager or a right hands, you know, type of individual. And this has happened to me probably five or six times when I've brought someone in, I've invested a lot of time and a lot of resources into them. And, uh, like, like really, if you think about it today, like my hourly rate is around $18,000 an hour because I run companies You know, I'm not billing clients per time, but I'm looking at the money that I'm extracting out of my different developments and so when I invest 10 hours into someone, that's a significant amount of money. It's a significant amount of opportunity costs. And this has happened a couple of times in the, in the like 2018, 2019. Where it's like I would invest in someone and then they would, it wouldn't be the right fit. You know, they, or they would, they would leave and start their own thing. And it just was something I had to really work through. And because the first instinct there is I've been taken advantage of, you know, I've been used or whatever. But what I've learned through this is that I have to really focus on making sure and this fits in perfectly with what you do. Business is about recruiting and investing. And I got this idea of of a college football team. And Nick Saban, who was uh, he's now the coach of Alabama, I grew up in Louisiana. So he was the coach of so the uh, Louisiana Tigers. Yeah, Four Bozier, So uh, North Louisiana,
1: West Monroe,
2: Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's, crazy. that's so crazy. So, well, I grew up on college football. And um, I just had this like I this awakening, like mid 2019 that building a team is really about like college football recruiting. You know, Nick Saban's not mad. He's not he's not angry when you know, uh, a quarterback is a senior and that quarterback is like, Well, I don't want to stay in college forever. You know, he'll, he, it's, it's assumed, right. So they've they've built recruiting departments so that they have second string and third string and they're always training, right? They're always training the next quarterback. They're always training. And so for us, not every position is like that. Like, I, you know, we obviously we're going to have our COO forever. Probably he's written into the company and we're going to have different people that are lifers. They're just going to stay forever. But it's really helped me disconnect from like, you know, I can invest into a person. They can grow and then they can feel called to something else. And I'm not getting bitter about that. That's something I had to really walk through and learn because it was it was damaging to me to invest into someone and lose them. And now it's not that way. You know, I've learned a great lesson and a great deal from that. And uh it comes through proper recruiting and making sure that we have staffing in place and the second string is ready to go.
1: I love that. Taylor, I just want to say, I think you're absolutely brilliant. I would sit here and talk to you all day. And I know that your time is limited because you are growing companies. Um, So thank you so much for all of that. But we are now to the part of the show where we ask our VIP questions. And I cannot wait to see how you answer these. So are you ready? Let's go.
2: I'm ready. I don't know what these questions are, so... (laughs) Hopefully they're not too hard.
1: <laughs> well, they shouldn't be too hard. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you?
2: Um, I mean, essentials or like non-essentials? It's up to you. I mean, the, the infrastructure brain in me is like, well, we need water, <laughs> probably a botanist, um, and... maybe my wife, you know, a little reproductive capacity, <laughs> but that's probably what I would do.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> and I'm very curious about this answer. So is what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success?
2: I read through what's called my morning formula. This is the version of myself in the future that I want to become. Um, the reason that it takes people so long to upgrade is because identity is never static. It's always fluid. You're either moving forward in an identity or you're moving backwards. Now, I noticed early on that if I don't decide who I'm gonna be, then my day will decide who I'm gonna be. You know, I've gotta decide it early on. And so the version of myself that I read through, I actually describe myself in a Google doc. I describe myself where I wanna be, with the net worth I wanna have, with the team I wanna have. And as you do that consistently, you'll notice throughout the day instinctively you'll start making decisions as if you were already that person which ironically enough is actually what creates it. So that's what I do every single day in the morning.
1: I love it. That is brilliant. Um I love that you that you have a tennis ball. Yeah. is that yeah, I just, you have like a lot my, of nervous it's, energy.
2: <laughs> it's just it keeps me. Yeah, I'm a little ADD at times.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, my final question. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be?
2: Lifter of the tide that raised all people. Mm -hmm. I want to raise the entire tide.
1: I love that. And I believe you 100% and I think you're going to do it. You have a fabulous movement going. So Taylor, I am so sad that our time is coming to an end. How do people find you and find out more about what you have to offer?
2: They can find us on social. My usernames for everything social is Taylor A. Welch. Middle name is Adams. it's Taylor A. Welch on Instagram, Taylor A. Welch on Facebook. Daily Mind Medicine is great. Dailymindmedicine.com is the URL for that. Trafficandfunnels.com is the URL for the website. And we're actually opening up uh, later on in the year, just partnership opportunities as a speaker. Um, so Gabriel, who you met on our team, is booking a lot of those events. So people can go to trafficandfunnels.com slash Taylor Welch and get just the opportunities there if they wanna see me live or get me out at their event. So a couple different options for you.
1: Love it. Well, Taylor, this has been amazing, way more than I expected. So thank you so much for your time. And I just have Mm. one last thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP.
2: Yes.
0: Let's go. Thanks for listening. For more from Chris and Taylor, visit TrafficAndFunnels.com and get a free gift just for being a subscriber. That's TrafficAndFunnels.com.